And when I woke up this morning, I was feeling pretty dangerous. Now they give it to Green. Green stutter step. He's through. First down, 40, 45, 50, 45, 40. Run, William, run. 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown. In the backfield, two receivers left, one right. Mayfield back to pass. Lux going towards the end zone, and it's caught by Donovan Peoples-Jones. Touchdown! He got it! He got it! The rookie from Michigan got it with 11 seconds left to go! Pumping once, now throwing long down the left side. Slaughter has it! He's going in for a touchdown! The problem won the game! <laughs> all right hey ho what do you know welcome everybody to another edition of the top dogs podcast i'm one half of the top dogs your maverick on today's journey alex hill joined as always by my goose jack mccurry jack how are you buddy good man i'm just exhausted it's been a long weekend <laughs> Don't long worry, weekend we're... Don't worry by uh, the plans that are being made right now. Uh, you're probably not going to need to worry about it on my end next year. Oh, really? Yeah, it sounds like days two and three I'll be there. In Detroit? Yep. I've already made a couple phone calls. Uh, Anthony and I are having a discussion right now because um, we're probably not making SummerSlam work. So I said, okay, what about the draft? He's like, I'm down with that. And then funny enough, one of my other friends who's a Lions fan, uh, she lives out of state. And she was like, I may have to check my schedule. I may come in too. I'm like, oh shit, we're going to have a party. I didn't even even realize it was in Detroit until they advertised it yesterday. I forgot forgot that because Anthony and I had discussed. It was like, either we're doing SummerSlam or the draft. I right. don't know which one. And I'm like, and it's funny, without a pick in the first round next year, it's so much easier for me work-wise, depending on my schedule, to go like, okay, I'm leaving middle of the day, um, you know, to catch a flight, you know, or I call off just one day and say, yeah, um, bye. You know, yeah. I'm going I'm going to draft. Like, I don't need to worry about Thursday, most likely. So there's that. Oh my gosh, and somebody fouled a pitch off and broke the paint off of something at Fenway. So the advertisers are probably not happy right now. <laughs> I love when that happens. Anyways, right. moving on. Uh, the NFL draft has come and gone. It is all over. The haters of Cleveland were out in full force all weekend. Um and the Browns said, yeah, you know what? We don't have a first or a second round pick. And guess what? We did a really good job anyways. Like, I don't even know where to start with this. It's funny because, you know, we did, you know, our spaces two of the three, well, three days in a row. Then after 142, I went to go get a couch for my apartment. I ended up getting a uh I guess it's called a power love seat or whatever. Cause it's like two, it's a sofa, but it's two seats and it's one of those power recliners. And Oh my gosh, it's great. Um, probably paid more than what I wanted to, but it was like, this is going to last me 10 years, 10, 15 years. So I'm good with this. 
Yeah. Um, so I'm, I, I'm happy with the purchase. Uh, and it's going to be a Wednesday, which I cannot wait. So, Jack, you're going to see it next week. It's going to be awesome. Uh, you're going to hate me when I show you all the features of it. You're going to be like, oh, how much did you spend on it? Probably too much, but you want to know what? You've seen part of my apartment. There is no furniture here. So right. it's like, I needed this. Just this. I don't need anything else. Well, a dresser, but that can be discussed later. But anyways, besides the point. The Browns, though, did a great job this weekend. But it's funny. I'm going through everything, just trying to get some notes, winners, losers. And I see the athletic and I click on it. And I'm just going to share this. This is Mike Jones of The Athletic, who covers the Commanders, who's covered the Commanders five years at USA Today. Um, and here's what I want you to understand why I just am dumbfounded with the national media. Because the write-up is so generic. There's no structure to it. If anything, I take this as a hit piece on the Browns. There's no structure. It's you got Deshaun Watson, and well, I don't understand what you're doing. It's like I'm not really paying attention to you because you didn't have a first and second round pick, so you're losers. So here's what he says: Mike Jones of the Athletic. Mike Mike Jones, who, who, who? That's all I got to say about this guy after this write-up. Mortgaging the future for Deshaun Watson meant the Browns had a few resources to significantly upgrade their roster through the draft. Can their top pick, Cedric Tillman, develop into the th- to turn into a threat? Will the rest of the mid to late round picks, including UCLA quarterback Dorian Thompson-Robinson, be anything more than depth acquisitions? Uh, did you even know who they drafted? My guess is he's not a draft expert and he's just going off names. Yeah. Like even if he's going off names, like what the hell are you doing? Maybe not so much names, but like, like position of need. Cause that's what a lot of people go by. Like, Oh, the Browns. And that's, and that's, and and that's extremely, extremely lazy. Well, yeah. Uh, And I just don't like it. So, like, let's start with the Browns, and then I'm going to get some winners and losers. But let's go straight into it. And I'm actually, as we're doing it, uh, I'm going to write down my winners and losers as we talk about the Browns, because I've had no time this morning, Jack. So, there, everybody. Suck it. That's all I got to say. But anyways, we start with the Browns' first pick in the draft. Number 12 overall, that was trade to Houston for Deshaun Watson. And Deshaun Watson looks to be in the best shape of his career, is putting in the work, working with his teammates. You know what? A-plus grade. You got your quarterback. Because, Jack, let's ask this question. Let's ask this. If the Browns don't trade for Deshaun Watson, let's say they run it back with Baker. Let's say they don't trash him and they run it back. Where do you think the Browns are picking in this draft? Honestly, probably in the same spot they are, 10 to 15 range. Do the Browns even get a quarterback in this draft, in the first round? I would say 
So they're in the 10 to 15 range. So eliminate Rodgers Rod- because that ain't well, happening. Yeah. But I'm saying like you're talking about the draft. Could they have moved up? Sure. They could have definitely moved up. They could have yeah, gotten seeing the way the draft just went uh, with uh, young Stroud and Richardson going top four. Well, I'm saying, and could they have? They had the ammo, and if they were aggressive enough, they could have moved up. They could have. They could have. Like Arizona, for instance, at three, given what they got for for in the with Houston, could the Browns have moved up and paid the price for that for Richardson or Stroud? Well, sure. it Richard. It would have been Richardson. Would have been Richardson because. It, it lets because again, I'm assuming Houston trades them elsewhere yeah. in this scenario. So you're moving up for Anthony Richardson, who, let's all be honest, is a project and a guy that needs time before he's ready. Is it the highest upside? Yes. Is it the biggest bust potential? Yes. Typical freaking Browns, and knowing us, he would have been a bust. I feel the way about him the way I felt about Josh Allen five years ago. And with the uncertainty of Kevin Stefanski's future and even Andrew Barry's, I mean, again, you're in this scenario, I would have just said, you know what? Even I'll go get a veteran and basically let, you know, Kevin walk the plank and, you know, fine, whatever, or just fire him and get a new staff in here and tell him, get the quarterback next year. I don't care who this pisses off. Like, at that point, I wouldn't have cared. I'll go get veterans. I'll get Jacoby Brissett's the world. Maybe I find a way to get Aaron Rodgers, which is extremely unlikely. Yeah, it's not happening. I know it's not happening. Maybe they overpay for a Tyler Huntley, pro bowler Tyler Huntley. I know, but I'm just saying this is the alternate universe you could have been, you were very close to living in. Very, very close. And when anyone criticizes the Watson trade, and trust me, Jack, I was one of the critics because of how much it was. And it wasn't even just the contract. It was the draft capital. Looking at it, Jack, I would have done it again, the heartbeat, because knowing what the Browns probably would have been and where they would have had to pay up for a rookie who would have gone through two head coaches, most likely. And you would still be nowhere. I'd rather go this route this time, because more than likely you're married to Andrew Barry and Deshaun Watson and Kevin Stefanski, if God forbid he gets fired. AB is still making the call most likely on a head coach because he got Watson. I doubt, you know, Jimmy Haslam's going to fire the guy. And especially if he's developing and drafting solid players, Jimmy's going to trust them to see this through. And if it blows up and he can't hire the right guy, well then, okay. Now we have a different conversation. By then, the Watson contract's over, and you have first-round picks again. So that's a different story for another day. I would do this 10 times out of 10 because looking at the alternate universe, and you know we love to do that here, Mm -hmm. it's a lot worse the other way. Right. Because there's more uncertainty. So A-plus, you got Deshaun Watson. I don't see what you're talking about in terms of mortgaging the future, you idiots. 
because you don't look at the alternate scenario. They'll sit here and say, well, you might have gotten Aaron Rodgers. No, you wouldn't have. Aaron Rodgers is not coming to Cleveland. Nope. He was going to New York or bust. He isn't going to go up against Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, and the Pittsburgh defense. He will. He would rather take his chances on Mike McDaniel regressing and beating the Bills because New England doesn't have a quarterback, so he's not as concerned. If I'm Rodgers, I pick New York 10 times out of 10. So who do they get? Geno, they pay for a Geno Smith. No, he's not leaving Seattle. So Jimmy G, oh God, Tony Gross, he probably would nut. But, you know, it, it doesn't matter at this point. You have a potential franchise quarterback. And I'm happy with it. A plus. And that's how we're grading this draft because of the trades as well. So if y'all hate it, it's my ass. Second round pick, Elijah Moore. Speed, good route runner, good hands, creates separation, has not had the opportunities in New York, is going to get that here. You trade down 30 spots. It's not like you lost, you know, the pick entirely. You just traded down 30 spots. A plus. I loved Elijah Moore. I think he's going to be very good this year with Deshaun Watson. I think he can be you know, he can spell, you know, Amari Cooper in the future. So, A+. plus. Now let's go to the actual picks. Jack, finally, we're getting into the nitty-gritty because you're like, oh, God, this is dragging too long. I can see in your face. Yeah, I'm good. Now, I'm messing with you. <laughs> Cedric Tillman, wide out Tennessee. I think it shocked a few of us on the Dogland, you know, on the dogland spaces because we were all set on double a not being there and we were like okay let's go get them and we thought okay maybe they're gonna go edge rusher here and with Jalen Hyatt going before you know we knew Josh Downs may have been in consideration but you know the I I forget who it was I think it was Jared Muller saying don't count out Jimmy talking about those Tennessee volunteers he wasn't wrong. And I, I was the one in the spaces who said, what about Tillman? We're not talking about him. Yeah. He was about 6'3", 220, can run a 4'5", 40. I don't know what anyone's saying. He doesn't have explosive speed. At that size, that's explosive. I mean, that's Josh Gordon speed. So Yeah, Pete Smith brought that up. He was like, yeah. Josh Gordon ran this at the same size and speed, and it was... Not saying uh, Cedric Tillman's Josh Gordon, but I, I don't know what people are hearing at the barber shop, but those aren't true facts. So I'm just saying. Just saying. Anyways, but uh, Cedric Tillman was one of the few guys who was an X receiver, guy who can play the outside. He's a deep vertical threat with his size. I love him in terms of like what his upside can be. I love the fit. He doesn't have to play right away. You can ease him into it throughout the season. I've I've said this. I think this means they're not paying DPJ. Wouldn't shock me. If the team struggles out of the gate, wouldn't shock me if they struggle out of the gate, that DPJ is a trade candidate and the Browns could get 
a second or a third, depending on his, you know, production. If he's producing like he did at the end of the season, you're easily going to get a two for Donovan Peoples-Jones to the right team. Like, I'm just going to throw a team out there, Detroit. Detroit still needs another, you know, wide receiver opposite of Moan Ross St. Brown. I could see Detroit, if they're playing well at the beginning of the year, paying up. I can see a Chicago paying a second-round pick if they start off red hot. Houston. Houston, if they feel like they're in contention. Yeah. You want to know what? If I'm Andrew Barry, I mean, like, they wouldn't do it because they traded one of the ones next year for it, for Will Anderson. But if they had both won still, I would just go back to him and say, I want my one back, you know? And, and just say, no one's the wiser. You know, you get your number one receiver going forward and we get our one back and everyone's happy, you know, and we'll even swap out our two. We'll give you our two. You give us back our one. Everybody's happy. And it would have turned into, I mean, it could, I'm not even rolling that idea out in the regular season. That's not a bad idea, especially if Houston thinks they're in it. Yeah. But, and they think they're going to get an early two, you know? Browns can say, hey, you know, you're getting DPJ in an early tune. You're going to sign DPJ. Congratulations. Wouldn't shock me if that's part of the plan here. It gives you flexibility or it might mean the end of Amari Cooper because you got Elijah Moore and you're going to work with DPJ and Cedric Tillman going forward and you save the money. I think it's more so the other way around, but you have options. You have real depth in the wide receiver room that I don't think we've had in a long time. So it's been a long time for that. And you know what? I give this an A grade because he should have gone the second round. I don't know why he didn't go in the second round. I guess the ankle injury scared enough teams away, especially teams that needed an immediate wide receiver. Instead, he goes to a place where he doesn't have to rush right away. He can be developed, he can get healthy, and he's fine. Jack, what were your thoughts when the Browns picked Cedric Tillman? Definitely surprised just because, you know, we've so been on the guardrails and everything. But I did keep saying during the process, and I was telling Jack Duffin this, I said, won't be shocked if they stretch the guardrails. Just because there's an older class, there's a lot of guys that did extra years because of COVID. So it did not surprise me that Tillman was the guy. Um, Tillman's great athlete. I think he got pushed down a little bit because of the ankle injury last year, but definitely good receiver. I think he fits in well. And like you said, he's definitely a guy that's going to be the replacement for Donovan Peoples Jones. I'm with you. I could see him being a trade target. Hell, why wait? If his agent knows that he's not in the long-term cards for the Browns, which seems apparent now after this pick, would not shock me if they secretly request a trade here during the offseason, try to get him into a new team now that might want him in their long-term plans. But yeah, I like Tillman. I think the upside's definitely there. Watson reached out to him immediately after the pick too, which he revealed in his press conference with the media yesterday. So yeah, I think Tillman is going to fit nicely in this offense. And the, well, the wide receiver depth, like you said, is pretty unbelievable. The room is essentially done at this point. Yeah, it Barring is. something with, with DPJ that the six spots are locked in. And I honestly am fine with, you know, and you know I love DPJ because I, I've always believed in his upside. 
But I am totally fine running into a year with my top two receivers being Amari Cooper and Elijah Moore. That would be fun. Mm-hmm. That would be very fun for me to watch and just mixing Tillman, mixing Goodwin, mixing these guys. Maybe look after you trade DPJ to get a veteran in here that could be available and get them on the cheap or wait and see what happens in a training camp with everybody. And They'll see got if David somebody... Bell. I know. David Bell becomes underlooked. Well, you, you, have, you have five. I'm not counting Jakeem Grant. So you're down to five because we're not counting Jakeem Grant in that scenario, nor are we counting Anthony Schwartz. So, Well, no, Schwartz isn't making this team. No, he's not. But my point is I was is, trying to pawn that... him off to the Buffalo Bills over the weekend. Well, didn't work. You know, yeah, best way, I, and on D hop. Best I can do is 150. <laughs> <laughs> Rick from Pawn Stars. You were Rick from Pawn Stars, literally. You got the look and everything about you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, moving on to the second third round pick, number 98 overall. The Cleveland Browns taking Baylor defensive tackle. And a big, fat dude in the middle, Siaki Ika. Man, I never thought he would fall this far, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised. I know he didn't athletically test well, but here's the thing that I thought of after watching him on tape, because, Jack, you knew I had a late first originally on him. Originally, Mm -hmm. I thought late one, and then when I saw the testing, I'm like, maybe a three at this point, but I wouldn't I wouldn't mind him in the second. I don't think he's going to be there at 74. He's too explosive on tape. I don't think he's a straight line runner. I mean, like, I don't think he's any of those things. At that size, who the hell is that kind of fast? There are only maybe right. two or three people in the world that can be that size and that fast. And for me, I'm like, you know what? Let me watch the tape again. He's explosive off the snap. He's violent off the snap. And the way that Jim Schwartz is talking about using him is exactly how you use him. You use him. He's going to use him like he's calling him his Ferrari in the defense. And he explained what he meant by that. He meant that he was going to use them in one-on-one situations to open things up and just let them go in a straight line. He doesn't want them going side to side, just power through people and go straight. That's exactly how you use them. A guy his size, that explosive off the snap, that's exactly how you use them. And him and Dalvin Thomas in the middle, I mean... If I'm the Bengals and I'm Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow better not take a pay cut because uh, you need that money for the rest of your life because you still have a shitty interior line. The outside's getting better, but you still have a shitty interior. And the Browns just upgraded, and they may add Al Woods, and now all of a sudden – yeah, your inside line is going to get bullied. And that's what I've wanted the Browns to do. Look, there were other defensive tackles we could talk about. Double A, if you think he's a defensive tackle, you know what? 
fine. I get that if you're upset about the pick. But looking at how the board was falling at that point, I mean, Roderick Martin from Western Kentucky went three picks earlier, who's the same player, but even worse on tape. He him as a seventh round player. I don't think he's as explosive. I don't even think he's even half as talented. And you get him, you get Ika three picks later. You know what? Considering the circumstances, A minus, A minus pick. At first, I was like, okay, but that's because my heart was in on double A. The more I thought about it, it's like, you know what? The board forced it. Maybe they wanted a safety, which clearly now we know they didn't. But they're like, okay, cool. We'll take Ika. And you know what? A minus. Bravo. The, you, you're playing the board at this point beautifully. You're making the most of every pick you have. And that's the least you can do in this scenario. So, Jack, we know what your original reaction was. Have you come around on the Ika pick? Yeah, I, I mean, I'm okay with it. I know how bad the Browns' run defense has been for years, and to get a Danny Shelton-like guy at pick 98 instead of you know a top 15 pick in the draft, this is a great move. It fulfilled a need. It added size on the defensive front. I bet you the linebacking room is a lot more happy after this after this offseason, knowing that they got two big dudes in the middle of that defensive line. It's going to help them out tremendously. Uh, you know, Ika is a good athlete for a guy his size. Um, he also had 30 pressures the last two years at Baylor, which that won't nobody will talk about that because everybody looks at him as a run stuffer, but he can generate pressure up the middle. He's explosive and, on tape, he's fun to watch. Yeah, it, it's fun. He said he's gonna, you know, try to shed some weight off. He's at 335 just so he could be a little bit more explosive there in the middle. I, I think this is a good pick, and I. Jim Schwartz was had the biggest smile on his face after this pick, which tells me all I need to know. He wanted that dude in 50, the middle. If he gets in the camp at 320, I think he's going to be a lot better than people think his first year. Yeah, I think if I he can, can lose it. 15 pounds, he's going to be even more explosive. And it's just going to create a whole new dimension to the defense that we did not have last year. I absolutely love the pick. You know, you knew I was on him from day one. Yeah, there may have been other D tackles, but it wasn't a great D tackle class. And a lot of people at Ika as, you know, one of the best ones, and you're getting him at 98. And here's one thing when they talk about the Vita Valle stuff, Vita Valle does not play in a 3-4 in uh, Tampa Bay. He runs a Tampa, they run more of a Tampa 2 defense down there which can have four linemen on the front, which means the Browns could be using Ika in a similar fashion. So, that and that's what makes Valle so dominant is because they get him in one-on-one -on -one situations where he overpowers and is too athletic for any of the linemen. Now, is Ika as athletic as him? No. That's not even close. Just look at their their 40 times. They're not. But in terms of what he can be, that's what I like about Ika. I think he can be a good run stopper in a division where really, you know, 
you have good running backs, not great. But when they face us, they become great because our interior sucks. If our interior can play up to what they can be, they're just going to be good running backs. They're going to have to throw the ball more on us. And we're going to be generating more pressure on the quarterback, which means it's going to be harder to pass. This has been the entire plan of mine, at least, since day one. And clearly the Browns see it too, so I'm encouraged. There you go. But one one final note on Ika. He does already have a connection with some teammates. He started out at LSU uh, before transferring when Dave Aranda got the job at Baylor. So he said that Grant and Jacob Phillips were, were good mentors for him during his first two years or his first year at LSU when they won the national championship. So he, he does have that connection with the Browns. So another LSU guy. Sort of on the Cleveland kind of sort of, you know, they have to draft one a draft anyways, right. <laughs> moving on to the fourth round and holy crap, Jack, the impossibles happen. The Browns have drafted a Buckeye in Dewan Jones, the tackle out of Ohio state. I mean, all you can say is big mauler. That's all he is. I mean, like he's a yeah. big mauler. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, we went over it in the spaces. Most of you who are listening were on the spaces. Initially, I was probably not as much of a fan because I wanted Blake Freeland, who was more of a project and I feel can develop into a left tackle. Can DeWan Jones develop into a left tackle? Well, he's got Bill Callahan, so he's got a chance to do it. Can he lose the weight and keep it there to, to go the left side is really my question. I think he's at least the future right tackle of the Cleveland Browns, which if you weren't listening to the OBR, uh, their Twitch stream and Jack Duffin talking about when you have an expensive line like this, you've got to make moves like this. You've got to take flyers on a guy like Dewan Jones when in about a year or two, you're probably moving on from uh, Jack Conklin. You're moving on from him. So now you're going to ease in Dewan Jones. And at least for now, he's a solid depth piece with, um, what's his face? Uh, the other tackle. Why am I blanking on his name? James Hudson. James Hudson. So now you have legitimate depth on the line, which is big. And yes, maybe this lights a fire under Jed Wills. We don't know if they're going to pick up the option yet. It still has not been announced. Looks like it's coming down the wire. But... I, it looks like the plan might be they let Jed walk and see if he gets a decent contract and maybe get a comp pick for him in the future and move DeWan over to the left side. If that's the case and he turns out, well, great, this is an A-plus pick. If he's a right tackle, A-minus pick. I mean, there's nothing wrong with drafting your future right tackle. You will still have a question mark on the left side, which they will probably address in the future. But there you go. You have your right tackle at the very least. So A minus is why I'm giving it because I do think he projects well as a right tackle. I think he will hold it down there. But the upside of potentially becoming a left tackle makes this, you know, as something that can be, you know, an A plus pick into the future. So. All right, Jack, what were your thoughts when they picked DeWan Jones? Was it uh, built uh, Andrew Barry's statue? 
this is the one pick I'm really questioning at this point. Great value. I won't take that away. It was projected second round pick. He falls to the fourth round. But there's questions about his desire. Um, the OBR mentioned during their stream that Bill Callahan did not want this guy. The scouts did not want this guy. Uh, there's rumors he's pushing 400 pounds. He weighed 374 at the combine, refused to weigh in at the pro day. That's a big concern. Uh, did one day at the senior bowl where he absolutely crushed it. The reports say it was an injury. Some people say he packed it in, didn't do anything at the pro day. It's kind of packed it all in. I, I have some serious doubts here on this pick. It, it's reminding me of Perry on Winfrey and the desire questions about his football future. So how I feel about uh, Jedrick Wills right now. So I don't like this pick. I get it for the value. I think it's a great value pick by the Browns, but it's I'm not the biggest fan of it. Uh, after Blake Freeman went off the board early in the fourth round, I was fine going and addressing another position. But, you know, we'll see how this goes. We'll see if Bill Callahan can get this guy on the straight path and get him motivated enough to be great because he's got all the tools to be great. It's the same as how I feel about Jedrick Wills. But if you don't have the want to, then in a year from that's, now, that's a big thing. He could be out of the league. He could be. I still think for a fourth round pick, it's worth it. I mean, you have to take swings like this. And I think Andrew Barry knew that. And you know what? I think even though he probably didn't want him, especially probably at, in the third, which I bet the discussion was had on Friday night, which is probably how the OBR got it, is that maybe that discussion was had on Friday night. Do we know mm -hmm. if Saturday he absolutely didn't? I don't know. I didn't hear the whole thing, but I'm going to guess maybe Andrew Barry walked over and said, look, it's a fourth round pick. Just give it a chance. You tell me what to do with Wills and I'll do it. But it, it, the one thing that Nathan Zagura said is at the very least with minicamp, you're going to get him one-on-one -on -one with Bill Callahan. That boy better come into shape because like how they did with Jed Wills, that boy going to go through hell that week. He is going to go through absolute hell that week. So he better show up because they're about to find out what he's made out of. So, and I think he'll answer the call. I think he will. I'm hoping that the fourth round slide uh, after he felt, you know, if let's say the pack it in idea now coming to Cleveland, right down the road from Ohio state being near Columbus creates a decent atmosphere for him. And also he has the fire to actually play tough and not fail. So we'll see how he does. I think it's at least a decent uh, scenario for him. Moving on to 126, I mean, we got our guy. Isaiah McGuire, Edge, out of Missouri. We knew they were on him from day one. It wasn't a secret. I mean, A.B., when he said it, he was like, you know, we've been fans of you for the entire process. And I'm like, we're checked up and behind him going like, yeah, mate, I, I told you we were on to you. Something like that. You hear the British 
uh, lad is saying that behind Andrew Barry's Bengal. I knew he was working for him. I knew it. No, I, I, and I'm sorry for totally butchering the British accent, Jack. Uh, you can kill me next time you're on the show. It's okay. Wait, I hear the knock at the door. It is stopping. Okay, I'm dead. All right, cool. <laughs> Anyways, Isaiah McGuire, I mean, like, do we really need to go over this pick? I mean, I loved him coming out. I think he's explosive. I think there's a lot of upside here. It gives you a great duo with Alex Wright to develop together. I mean, I don't really know what to criticize about this pick, especially when I had a third-round grade on him. A-plus pick. I don't know how he fell this far, especially with a lot of teams like Indianapolis and Philly and those teams betting on high RAS scores. So I don't know why he fell. So, But I'm not complaining about it at all. So there. Same. I, I love this pick. Jack Duffin uh, pointed me in his direction during the process about a month before the draft. And I absolutely loved him. Uh, I think he fits this room so well. Uh, I've always said you can never have enough pass rushers. Uh, the Browns have added two great ones this offseason with Okoronko and now McGuire. I, I, I can't wait to see him. If anybody wants to be convinced, go watch his tape against Pittsburgh's first round pick, Broderick Jones, where he absolutely dominated him. I just I think this is a great pick. He's also versatile because Missouri kicked him inside on certain packages. So you could see a scenario where they oh, might Schwartz is gonna out. use him every single way he can. Alex, hear me out. Remember the NASCAR package in Philly? Oh God. Miles, <laughs> McGuire, and Alex right on the inside, no Caronquo on the other side, opposite Miles. Ooh. Teams won't like that. Teams can will we, not uh, like uh, that. Can I just say this? Can we just kick right to the outside just for the fun of it put miles in the middle <laughs> well we can do that too there's endless I, i'm just saying i'm just saying miles in the middle sometimes might be hell for teams <laughs> cheat code and, yeah. and can i just say this there's people writing off alex Wright already no pun intended this dude was a project when the browns drafted him in the third round last year and he yes he did not play year. well Towards the end of the season, when they were kicking him inside, he was playing well. I expect another full off season, especially with better coaching on the defensive line, that we are going to see an improved Alex Wright in year two, and then hopefully he had in year real three. Real flashes. Four. I'm sorry. What do you expect out of a third round pick from UAB to do for you right away? And for him being a rotational guy, he was solid. What what did people say? No, this is just how cynical fans are. I'm sorry. He's not a bum. He showed more flashes than most edge guys did last year's rookies. So I would shut up with that take. People expected more because Clowney decided to check out and ex thought Wright was going to fill the void. Well, that's he's a rookie. What do you expect? It's Browns fans, Alex. They expect a lot we, of stupid shit. Yeah, we, we expect, you know, everybody to just be God. Just no. No, it's not happening. Okay. Moving on to the next pick. And the one that I feel like I'm the only one who's not confused by this pick at all. And that's Dorian Thompson Robinson, quarterback uh, out of UCLA. Here was my take on it. If you were not in the spaces, I saw this coming a mile away. The board forced their hand. I think they had every intention of maybe looking at a different position. But 
if you look up to that pick, Stenson Bennett started the run on QBs, which I don't know why he went in the third round, but holy crap. What I wish I would have bet doing. the plus 1600 on him. Jesus Christ. Anywho, um, Bennett going there started a tidal wave of quarterbacks going. And the mm-hmm. Browns brought in Clayton Toon, Jake Hayner, Dorian Thompson Robinson. They brought in all these guys because it was clear they want a long-term backup project QB. They want that. And yes, you have Josh Dobbs. Yeah, he's going to be here this year. Wouldn't shock me if DTR knocks him off the depth chart in the preseason, but I fully expect the Browns to run it with three QBs on the roster this year, and then next year with two being Watson and DTR. Because you need somebody, when you're paying your QB that much, you need to have a developmental backup QB who fits what you're already doing. And that's what he does. He has a lot of the same traits as Watson. He's very mobile outside the pocket to make things happen with his feet. He has a good arm to throw the ball downfield. Is he accurate? No, but that can be developed over the next year, potentially. And you have Josh Dobbs and Deshaun Watson to mentor him. He adds a backup QB of the future and maybe even a Tyler Huntley-esque rise, you know, one day where the Browns could flip them for something. This is what good NFL teams do. The Patriots do this. The Ravens do this. The Eagles did it with Jalen Hurts. Good teams keep taking shots at developmental backup QBs because in these later rounds, because one, they're cheap. Two, you don't have to spend money on a backup if they're any good. So that's more money for the rest of your offense. And three, if they're good and teams like them, you can trade them for a decent pick back. Look at so the Packers he, in the 90s. Look how many quarterbacks exactly. went through the pipeline behind Favre. Yep. And you know what? It's also part of the Browns' MO if you go to that D Podesta chart. Quarterback yep. is that you keep taking chances. It doesn't matter if you have Watson. Watson doesn't mind it. He's a fifth-round pick and he's cheap. It's a and he fits the style. So if anything is to happen, it's best for the team to have somebody like him and a Josh Dobbs going into this year. Kellen Mond is on his way out, which is fine by me, but I give this an A plus because it wasn't really a forced pick because I thought he was going in the fifth round anyways. And you know what? I think he fits the Browns to a T and the upside is there to where let's say, you know, Watson works out. And Robinson looks like an intriguing young prospect for a team that needs a QB. I think you can get a second or third in the future for him. He, I, My ceiling for him is Tyler Huntley. And before this whole Lamar scenario happened, when it looked like, oh, it's a lock, he's going to stay. Remember all the rumors that Tyler Huntley was going to be traded for a second round pick? The teams were in That was like about. a year or two ago, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Remember all that? Well, guess what? 
you could be doing the same thing in the future. Yeah. I'm just saying. I'm just no, definitely. saying. I don't disagree at all. So I get there were better players on the board, especially Jamie Robinson. I know a lot of Browns fans loved him. We will talk about why now that the dust is settled. I give this an A+. And I'll say it right now, Ronnie Hickman. Ronnie Hickman makes this an A+. You got a fourth, fifth round safety talent who fits the guardrails as an undrafted free agent who I think makes the team out of camp. Fine by me. You know what? You made up for it. It's like like the Lions draft. Yeah, you take Jameer Gibbs at 12, but then you get, um, you know, Sam Laporta and other guys later where when you look at the draft, you could just flip the picks around and say, you know what? I'm fine with this draft. This is one that I look at going like, if we had taken Ronnie Hickman the fifth round, let's just say, and we signed Doreen Thompson Robinson as an undrafted free agent, let's just throw that hypothetical. How would you think Browns fans would feel about that draft? A plus probably. Jack. Yeah. You want my thoughts on DTR? Well, yeah, that, but I was just like, hypothetically speaking, if you flipped their roles, like Hickman as a fifth round pick and a UDFA for DTR, you know, it's still an A plus. Yeah. So why are we bitching? Why why are we bitching about drafting him when you still filled the need? I mean, there's no point in it. It's just, you have a four year contract now with DTR and Hickman's on a UDFA contract. So, okay, fine, whatever. I mean, I still think they're going to go safety next year early in the draft because it's a deeper class. So mm-hmm. keep your eyes out for that. But, Jack, what were your thoughts on DTR when they drafted? I mean, we all knew the Browns liked him, like, big time. Like, they they met with him multiple times throughout the process. Uh, we knew that there was a chance they'd take him. I'm okay with this pick. I'm okay. Like, I'm always – I've always been the mindset, and this is going back 10, 11, 12 years, take a quarterback every year. Take a swing on the position every year until you find one. Obviously, the Browns hope they have found one in Deshaun Watson, but still keep taking the swing. Uh, DTR's story is so fascinating. He's reuniting with his high school receiver, Cedric Tillman. Uh, they play together uh, Bishop Gorman. His story is so fascinating, though, because he backed up Tate Martell, and he had only thrown 48 passes in his first three years comes in, has a great senior year, gets recruited by every major school, picks UCLA, who had Jim Mora Jr. at the time. They fire him right before Thomas Robinson graduates. Chip Kelly comes in, and he, he stays with UCLA throughout the all, all the ups and downs, leaves as the best quarterback in school history, owns all the records. He's pro-ready. He was already doing things at the line of scrimmage that makes him pro-ready. He's a dual threat at the position. He fits what the Browns are doing at the position. Now I have no problem with this pick. I think as the long-term backup, and like you said, as a potential trade chip in a couple of years for a team that needs a quarterback, I think it's worth the, worth the risk in the fifth round to take a guy like Thompson Robinson. Yep. I mean, this is how great teams build their rosters. And here's the thing. It's okay. Browns fans. We've been dealing with shitty football for 25 years. You don't know how this works. And don't worry, I'm here to show you because I've been studying all this for too long. But 
man, I love the pick. I'm really happy with it. And we move forward to the second to last pick in the draft. And Jack, I know I've mentioned him on this pod because I talked about Northwestern being a place where secondary players normally come through. They're one, it's one of their two positions, O-line and secondary. Northwestern always brings out those kind of players. And the reason is, is you got to be really smart to play at Northwestern. Just saying. And Cameron Mitchell was a guy who originally was a seventh round pick. Look, he was a solid corner. There was nothing special about him. And then he tested really well throughout the process, jumped up to maybe a fourth round pick. We all knew he was going to be a day three pick, maybe even a late day two pick in the right system. But I kind of kept looking at him as like, you know, if all the corners are gone and they really want to push this down, because we were looking at Keytrail Clark and a couple of other guys, but Cameron Mitchell was always still on my radar. Plus, you had a guy that can mentor him, especially if you're keeping him, which clearly they are, in Greg Newsom, who knows him. So now you get Cameron Mitchell, who's good in man coverage, but I think also has the ability to move around and be versatile i think they're going to try to make him more of a nickel which is fine by me but i i think you know putting him in the slot and have him as a safety as well wouldn't rule that out at all here jack Uh, he has the stature to do it would he be a little bit undersized sure but the athleticism points that there is some versatility here i think he can do a little bit of everything he's very smart high football IQ. This kid is a good depth piece. Just there's nothing special, but you know, you're going to get some solid production on the field. At least you're going to have someone who understands the game on the field. And the plus is he's got some athleticism to him. So guess what? Solid pick. I give it a B like, yes, there were better players on the board. There were a lot better players on the board. There were safeties on the board I rather would have taken. But you know what? I'm fine with the pick. I am absolutely fine with the pick. Yes, he's never really played in the slot. PFF pointed that out. But I still think the athleticism points that he could be taught it. It's just more so I think Northwestern really doesn't run any defenses that allows their corners to really play in the slot. So there or their top corners to really go the slot to be more specific so there i like the pick brown see some upside you have depth to begin with i mean you you're at least four deep in the cornerback room throwing a mitchell who doesn't have to do much from day one ease him in let him learn he's going to be a good rotational defensive back piece maybe even a safety in this league. Jack, I know we had question marks on him. You had question marks on him when we made the pick, but what were your thoughts on Cameron Mitchell? The only I only had question marks because I'd never to him at the corners, but we know that the Browns love and I think Barry's added at least one in the in the draft or as a UDFA every year since he's taken over. Uh good pick, familiar with the room because he's best friends with Greg Newsom. Newsom was very hyped about this selection. 
Um, I think this is the long-term replacement for AJ Green. AJ Green's on the last year of his deal. Uh, Mitchell's a guy that can play inside. He is physical when it comes to tackling. So I think he does fit the potential role of a nickel. And if they do decide to move Newsom back to the outside, but Mitchell can play that with that ability. Uh, you know, he is undersized. He's 5'10, 191, but he's quick, he's long, he's athletic. Uh, I like this pick. Uh, you can never have enough corners as far as Andrew Barry goes. So uh, I think this makes a ton of sense uh, yep. for the Browns and what they're going to do in that corner room. Absolutely. All right. So let's go to our final pick and a pick that, wow. I, Amazing value. I I don't know what happened. Yeah. I, 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 I love to ask teams and say, what did you see that I'm missing? And that center from Ohio State, Luke Weipler, and boy, oh boy, uh, I am stunned he was there. I mean. I think everybody was. Everybody was stunned he was there after Friday night. And like, here's the, the thing, out. again, when you talk about this draft, you know, you're talking about a lot of people are talking about like, oh, the Eagles and Colts, they drafted guys with high RAS scores. And yet one of the highest center RAS scores fell all the way to the seventh round. Now, people will point out the Jordan Davis game against Georgia, and he did not look good. Maybe that's part of the reason. I don't know. Truthfully, I don't care because put him with Bill Callahan. Yeah, I mean, it's not like he worked his magic with a second-round bust in Ethan Pochich and turned him into a starting NFL center overnight. So you're telling me I'm getting Luke Weipler to not start day one. Work with Bill Callahan, who developed Ethan Pochich. And let's be honest, I think if Nick Harris had stayed healthy, he was looking pretty good last year up until the injury. So I trust Bill Callahan is going to turn Luke Weipler into everything everyone thought he could be. And that's the second, third round pick talent that he is. And maybe even a top 10, potentially top five center in the league. Definitely the replacement for Ethan Pochich when the guarantees are done. But again, as Jack Duffin has pointed out, when you have such an expensive O-line, you have to keep swinging on cheap linemen. And to get Dewan Jones and Luke Weipler, which... That's another plus for Dewan Jones. We talk about how you know he probably needs a really good environment. Get him one of his college teammates on the line. Get him with someone he's familiar with to come up with him and give him that positive environment and someone to push him because a a former college teammate who went who slipped just like you did. I can see the both of them saying, yo, you need to lose the weight and I need to get probably a little bit stronger. Let's do this. And they turn into the future of the Browns O-line. And by the way, let's all not forget that this is the first time since 1999 when the Browns came back that the Browns have taken not one, but two Buckeyes in the same draft, Andrew Barry and 
Andrew Berry signed not one, but two Buckeyes in undrafted free agency. So, uh, Jack, uh, how much should I be counting you in on the Andrew Berry uh, statue outside the stadium? Whatever it takes. Let's just, let's just make it happen now. And uh, I we think had, you just... Okay, to, to and, put and, it and, in and, context. And, 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 hold on, hold on. And Andrew Berry, the statue is going to be him smiling, just doing this. The four horse, the four <laughs> Buckeyes, the four horsemen. So those four are going to unveil the, the four statue, horsemen right? of Columbus. And Arn put it Ander- into context, and Arn Anderson will be there for the unveiling just because. <laughs> oh, Ken Carmen will be there just for that. <laughs> well, no, Ken Carmen is going to interview Double A right then and there. So. He's gonna do his. He's gonna do it as Dusty. Yes, but here's the thing: Double A is gonna. Uh, he's gonna give him a spine buster just because Ken probably is like, "Give me a spine buster, please." <laughs> no offense to Ken, I'm a big man myself, but if Arn Anderson at today's age can get Ken up for a spine buster, he's the goat. Like, there's no doubt about well, it. Well, I mean, really, all Ken has to do I'm, is Ken will help him a little bit. Yeah, that's what I was yeah. going to say. Ken will help him. And by the way, Ken, we'll put a mat down. We're not going to let you die. I mean, Jesus Christ, you think we're... Yeah, don't let him do it on the concrete. Jesus, but, um, no, we would never. No. Right, we'll, get you, we'll, we'll get you, like, 20 mats if you want. So I'll have my thoughts on Wepler in a second. But to put it into context, what Barry did yesterday... Going into yesterday, the Browns had only drafted four Buckeyes since 99. Darnell Sanders, Brian Rubisky, Denzel Ward, Tommy Togiai. Barry added four Buckeyes to the roster in one day he's yesterday. Drafted. So that's like He's picked five Buckeyes, and you want to fire this yeah. dude? <laughs> Put him in the Hall of Fame. Literally. Can't get the bus ready. Let's go. But Webler, like, obviously, it's another great value pick. Like, that. when I look at the Browns draft as a whole – it was great value the whole way through. I looked at the the pick compared to their ranking. Mitchell was the only reach, but we knew he was going to take a corner at some point. He might not have been there at 190. So that's a good pick as far as I'm concerned. Whipler, developmental center, backs up Posick, uh, a great athlete, like you mentioned. And Brugler's uh, scouting report says he ideally suited for his own team. And he says he projects as a backup with the potential to be more. So you put him with one of the greatest offensive line coaches of all time. This very well could be the backup or the replacement for Ethan Posick down the road. But at worst, he's a he's a backup center for the next four years. Yeah. You can't be mad about that. No, you can't. But I think uh, Weibler is the future replacement. I think it spells the end of Nick Harris on this team, mm-hmm. sadly. And it's just unfortunate for him. But, man, I mean, you look at this draft. And yeah, the undrafted free agents are good too. But the thing that just stands out is you're getting value at every single pick. I don't know why any national critic is going to say the Browns lost this draft. If you're saying that, you're pushing a national narrative and I cannot take you seriously anymore because you have agendas. Like The majority of the people graded the Browns draft well, though. I will say that. Every analytical factor says the Browns did one of the best jobs in this draft. So if you're saying no, no 
NFL.com gave them a B plus. Kuiper said they had a great draft. Like the Ringer gave them a C plus. I'd have to read into why. I didn't read the Ringer like, the is whole full detail. of haters. The Ringer's is full yeah, of Watson haters. But you know what, Alex? And and but that's what it comes down to at the end of the day. The media does not want to give the Browns attention because of Deshaun Watson. And, and I understand it. And I understand it. It's fine, but it's like that's don't fair. put biased into that. Like that's the only thing I would say. That's, but that's, I don't really care what the that's media my says. Point. When you're knocking the Browns for that, I'm sorry, because then at that point, you have to knock the Houston Texans over the last five years. Treat them you know the what? same. I hate dra- grading drafts right afterwards. Ask me in three I years. I know, when I know, I know. I just think it's stupid. So what we're about to do is stupid? What are we doing? Winners and losers. Pick, that's fine. I'm not grading a draft. I'm giving my. I'm opinion. not grading. I'm just saying who won and lost. No, this is fine. But that's the no same thing. That's that. the same thing, Jack. P- putting a grade on it is stupid. The Browns got an A plus in the draft, and then when nobody does shit, well, I mean, everybody's going to say it, Barry sucks it, at drafting. Well, you want to know what I? I you want to what now they think about it? I agree because the Steelers, who are my biggest winners of this draft, I gave an A plus plus two. So. You know what? <laughs> can, can, I, can I do my first? Can I do my first winner? Yeah, go ahead. Uh oh, hold on. Audio is playing in the background. I know that's that's been happening with me. Um, my first winner is the Arizona Cardinals. Oh, they were on my list. Yep. Yep, guys. I mean, talk about the trades. They have a ton of picks. I already seen. PFF's mock for next year and they have the number one and number two picks and come away with Caleb and Marvin Jr. But looking at what they did in the draft as a whole, Paris Johnson Jr., BJ Ojolari, Ojolari, excuse me, Garrett Williams, uh getting Clayton Toon as a developmental pick in the fifth round, Owen Popo in the fifth round, Catrell Clark and Dante Stills to cap it off. Arizona did great. I just wonder about Jonathan Gannon because he seems like a total no, weirdo. Here's the thing. The Arizona Cardinals Russian crush. The Arizona Cardinals accepted they're going to be trashed without Kyler Murray this year. And we are going yep. to build around Kyler Murray. And we're going no, because they can't trade him next year. The cap hit the dead cap they hit. They could trade him next year. They could trade him next year. I think no, Let I, me thought check I saw the dead cap hit was too much. I'm gonna so, look. Keep Yeah, Let's on. confirm that because if my instincts are correct. Um, I would say for sure Arizona wins because they could have the first and second picks and everybody and their mother is going to want both of them for Caleb Williams and Drake May. Everybody's going to be what? $46 million dead cap hit, but save $5 million if they decide to move on from Kyler next year. Who would you rather have, Alex? Kyler Murray or Caleb Williams at the Cardinals? Well, I go Caleb, but again, if it affects my long-term planning, and I do think Kyler can still be a good quarterback in this league. I do too. Here's the thing. He's cheaper than a lot of the other quarterbacks right now that are getting paid right now. Is he though? He's a little bit cheaper. A little bit. He's $46 million a year quarterback. 46.1. Wait, wait until Burrow and Herbert sign, and then we'll talk. Just saying. Caleb, Marvin I think Jr., Caleb will potentially. Be discussed. 
I think oh, Marvin Jr. is going to happen. That Paris will happen. Johnson. Real quick. Build around a cheap rookie quarterback. Just saying. Yes, but I still think they intend to keep Kyler yeah. because if they hold, if they decide, you know, we can't financially do it, we don't want to do it, and we do believe he's a franchise quarterback. There is a good chance you will get more than three first round picks to get Caleb Williams. This is true. And that's why if I'm the Cardinals, I'm sitting very pretty right now. Do I think they end up with the number one pick? No, I don't. I think that team resides in Tampa Bay, Florida. I think they end up with the number one pick this year and sprint to the podium to take Caleb Williams. However, if the Cardinals are at two and they don't like even Drake May, you can get a similar package for Drake May depending on the team and how they like him because Drake May is regarded just as highly. People would have said he would have gone number one if he was in this draft. So we're talking about two guys who would have gone number one in this year's draft who are available next year. And that's not even counting some of the other guys in this draft like Dion's son, if he plays well at Colorado, he could be very well in the mix. So I think he stays through uh, till the end of his eligibility to help build the program back up. But you have other guys as well in this group. Who knows? Maybe J.J. McCarthy turns into something this year. Who the Projected heck knows? Projected first round pick right now. Maybe uh, what year's Kyle McCord? See sophomore uh, junior. Think sophomore. Let me uh, check. Redshirt sophomore or sophomore? I'm looking right now. I'm put Kyler McCord. What is wrong with me? <laughs> um, he's 20, so he would be. Oh yeah, a... no, no, not happening, not happening. Yeah, I was gonna say he's a junior. He's a junior, true junior. What if Kyle McCord plays out of his damn mind at Ohio State? Well, what if that happens? Well, after the well after the spring game, Alex, not too many people are high on Kyle McCord. But let's say he does. No, I, hey, State. listen, look at the track record of Buckeye quarterbacks. What, what if Spencer Rattler finally discovers himself after ending the year strong at South Carolina? What? No. I said, what if? What if I grew six inches and was six <laughs> foot five? If I I'd be the six, next day, I would be the next day Juan Jones. If I grew six inches, I could be in the center for the Cleveland Cavaliers. Shit. I'll tell you one thing Mitchell Robinson would get by me. Hey, I want day Juan Jones versus Mitchell Robinson. Let's make it happen. I just want JV Bickerstaff fired, but we can't get what we want, damn it. Who, who's your next winner of the draft, Alex? Uh, my winner of the draft is Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh killed it. I, mean, I hate them. I hate them. Every year, it's either Baltimore, Cincy, or Pittsburgh winning and winning big. Uh, normally, it's been Baltimore. Baltimore had an okay draft. I, I I put them around the B range. I mean, like, they did some nice things. But Pittsburgh played it perfectly, moving up to go get Broderick Jones, uh, tackle out Georgia, who is exactly what they need. Then somehow, some way, Joey Porter falling to the first pick of the second round which is just sad for me because it's like 
he's so good potentially he's got all the traits they want and then Keanu Benton which just killed Browns fans and he's the absolute perfect replacement for Hayward in the middle I mean you can't pick a more perfect replacement for Hayward he's gonna wreck heaven the questions on Darnell Washington are valid, but if he's healthy, him and Pat Fearmuth are going to be a problem. I mean, mm-hmm. forget their wide receivers. Their tight ends now are just, they can run du- dual sets that are just electric. And he's a good run blocker, which will only help Najee Harris. Then Nick Urbig, which I don't know how he fell that far, but Man, I mean, when I said it, when Alex Highsmith uh, announced the pick, he just, you know, announced his replacement when he signs a big contract elsewhere because I just don't see the Steelers paying him and T.J. Watt. It's one or the other, and it'll be T.J. Watt every single time. So Highsmith just announced his replacement, which they're going to know how to utilize him, and he's so explosive that, God damn it, I hate this. And, to, I mean, yes, there's Spencer Anderson, but it's such a late pick. But Corey Trice is such a fascinating prospect at 6'3", I mean, as a corner. And he's athletic, too. Just, I, I hate what they did. I really, really did. Um, just, damn, 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 damn. Uh, do you have any losers in this draft, Jack? I haven't honestly looked through. I just have my next winner. I haven't okay, looked at anybody to say the Indianapolis Colts. Even my questions about Anthony Richardson, the rest of their draft, I love. Julius Brents in the second round, Josh Downs in the third round, Blake Freeland in the fourth round, Double A in the fourth round, and then Evan Hall as a, as a running back no one really looked at during the process as a fifth-round pick. He could be one to watch. And then Jake Witt, who could have been a target for the Browns in the seventh round. They're getting him at 236. Could be a developmental tackle for him. So Colts came out big winners. No, I I like what they did. Um, You know, I I would have said the Bills is a winner, but that's only in the first two days. I'm just looking through a few teams really, really quick that I just wasn't sure of. Um, You know, let me look at that. You know what? I do have a loser. Okay, go ahead. The Dallas Cowboys. I just they don't were understand on my list. They were on my list. They were on my list. It, I just like, I don't under, like outside of Deuce Vaughn, like, I don't know about these picks. Like, Mozzie Smith is a first round pick. Nah, I didn't see it. Shoemaker, that was a reach. Overshone was nice, but that was about it. I mean, that was the like, guy. I just didn't like what Dallas did. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give you a surprise winner. I'm going to give you a surprise winner. I do have one more winner after you. I'm going to give you a surprise one, the Green Bay Packers. I actually really like what they did, starting with Lucas Van Ness. They need another edge guy, freakishly talented kid. Yes, he's a one-trick pony, but, you know, the Packers have a good defense that can utilize that. Then getting Luke Musgrave, who I liked as well. I liked all the tight ends in this draft, but you also got Tucker Craft. Like, you are legitimately trying to build around Jordan Love. Then Jaden Reed, who I, I think is extremely underrated in this class. Colby won the solid pick in the fourth round. 
Carl Brooks, I think, could be a steal in the sixth round if he lives up to his production in college, which I don't think he will, but I think he'll be a solid piece for a team on the D-line. Um, and I do like Lou Nichols in this uh, offense as well as a receiving back, getting Anthony Johnson in the seventh round. And then, you know, I'm not a fan of Grant Dubose, but there's a lot of upside there. So if they can develop him, that could be a steal as well. The only pick I really had a problem with was Sean Clifford, who I had an undrafted grade on. But again, I'm not knocking it because he was after Dorian Thompson Robinson. So I'm like, you know what? Everybody was panicking. I'm not really going to judge you if this is what you think is the best move. But I did like their draft a whole lot. Denver, I'm not sorry, Dallas, I didn't like a lot. Um, Another uh, one I didn't like, and I'm going to stand by this. I don't like what the Houston Texans did. Outside of the first two picks, I don't like what they did. I'll give you an A for the first day. I will absolutely positively give you an A because you deserve that. However, Juice Scruggs in the second round, I think, was a reach. And then you double up and get Jared Parrison, who I think ends up being a guard more than anything else. But here's the thing I have a problem with. And I said it the day of. The two guys you went out and got, Tank Dell, who's a small, not as athletic receiver as some of the other smaller guys in this draft, and Xavier Hutchinson. Who in the blue hell is CJ Stroud throwing to? You won't even get a tight end. To yeah, Dalton Schultz. I, I would have liked to have seen another tight end because you have a one-year deal on Dalton Schultz. There's no guarantee he's yep. staying beyond one year. And this year, you can run dual sets. You would think a coach from San Francisco is going to know the importance of running dual tight end sets and knowing the importance of getting an athletic tight end in this draft. If I'm Houston, you have Dalton Schultz, you know who I would have gotten with that 60-second pick? I'm not worrying about the red flags on medicals. I'm going again, Darnell Washington. I mean, him and Stroud and Schultz. And the fact that he doesn't need to be that number one guy right away and maybe not even number two right away, you can ease him in. That was a good fit for him. And it helps CJ Stroud out. But you didn't really do anything this year to do that. And you traded your up one of your ones next year. So let's say hypothetically, CJ Stroud desperately needs a wide receiver. And let's say you have hypothetically, the number five pick and the Browns are, let's say, number 20. Let's just say that. You don't think after the quarterbacks go number one and number two, most likely, the right team isn't going to listen to five, 20, and a future two for number three, and you can go get Marvin Harrison Jr., you may have just played your way out of getting Marvin Harrison Jr. because now you're betting on the Browns 
you're not even betting on yourselves anymore. You're betting on the Browns, which I hate to say that, but that's a dumb move. That's a dumb move when you look at how the Browns stack up against Houston. And Houston, yes, can be competitive. But they're betting, I mean, they clearly are saying, we can win the division this year. Really? You sure about that? You better hope John Mechie is the second coming of Jesus Christ as a receiver. Because I don't know what he is. And a year away from football battling cancer? I mean, Tank Dell's not going to be the speedster you think he is. And I know they've seen him more than anyone else. But I don't think he's that. So you're betting on John Mechie? And I liked Mechie. But he had a lot of injury concerns coming out of uh, Alabama. And you're betting on all of that? Okay. You better hope this doesn't blow up in your face and C.J. Stroud has no reliable receiver to go to because you may have just stunted his growth. Also, I would have liked you to see him take a right tackle at some point just because they could probably use a future one that's cheaper. So, And they didn't do that either. So... Build your interior. It's not like you tried to build it last year up and it isn't working out. So I trust your judgment so much here, Houston. I just don't like what they did. I just don't. I mean, outside of the first two picks, I'll give them an A on that and I give them a D on the rest of it because I just don't know what they're doing. Jack, who was your other winner? Denver Broncos, even though they had five picks, they traded for they traded a late seven for um, Adam Trotman, who was in New Orleans, familiar with Sean Payton's system, uh, worth the swing there. But Marvin Mims, their their top second round pick, leads me to think that the the Jerry Judy and Cortland Sutton trade rumors are still out there. I feel like the Broncos are going to move one of them, maybe before the season starts. Drew Sanders in the third round was a good pick for them. Uh, J.L. Skinner in the sixth round. And Alex Forsythe in the seventh round, I thought was good. I just questioned the Riley Moss pick. Like I said on the spaces Friday night. What? You question a white cornerback. What are you trying to say, Jack? I'm not trying to say anything. <laughs> I'm messing with All you. I know is Dustin Fox had a tear in his eye Friday night when that happened. Um, I am going to give you another loser, and then I'm going to tell you my final winner. Um, again, I don't like questioning what Bill Belichick does. What's Bill Belichick doing? Look, getting Christian Gonzalez, A plus pick. Great job. You trade down, you still got him. The rest of the way, what the hell are you doing? Like, okay, I like Marte Mapu. Keon White's okay. I mean, like, that guy could be really good for you. But the rest of it, it's like, I know they needed line, and they got that. You go and get Chad Ryland, who's got a good leg, and yeah, it could turn out to be good. But you needed receivers for Mac Jones. And you wait until the sixth round with Kayshawn Boot, who I question his want to in the NFL and his real athletic profile. And then you go get Demario Douglas out of Liberty. That's your answer? You had chances. I mean, 
I'm sorry. If you're if you're to ask me what I would have done at 76, I'm taking Josh Downs. There's nothing wrong with Josh Downs. And you didn't take him? Like, are you trying to sabotage Mac Jones's career? Are you trying to tank for Caleb Williams? I don't know what their plan is. I I hope it doesn't blow up in Bill's face, but it could. It very well could. Um, and my final winner, your Cleveland Browns. Because here's what I'm going to say. I'm not being biased on this. It's very rare when you don't have a first and second round pick to walk away with the value that you did. You improved your team in every way you needed to. Maybe you could have added another linebacker, although I do I do like uh, uh, the kid they signed out of Utah. Um, though I think he's more of an edge than a linebacker, but we'll see. Um, but he's he's very athletic. I think there's a good profile there to build something there. And I trust players from Utah right now, especially on the defensive side, because they're very productive over there. So I and trust they gave him that. a lot of money too. Yeah. So he was productive at Utah. I think there's a lot of upside there. There, There's some talent there, and it's a good pick, and I think he makes the team too. You got value at nearly every single pick. Some of it extreme value, like ridiculousness value. Luke Weipler, Dewan Jones, I would even argue Siaki Ika, and somewhat Cedric Tillman. All these guys are high values for where you drafted them. And it's very rare to do what the Browns did in this draft and to walk away with the value that they did. Now, are there some concerns with a guy like DeWan Jones? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in three years, that pick can blow up in their face. Is Siaki Ika a one-trick pony? Yes, but in this defense, I'm not as concerned about that. But there's so much talent that they took that if things work out, people are going to circle this draft as the draft that didn't just set up the Browns for now, but it set them up for the next five years with Deshaun Watson. There's a good chance we look back at this draft and say, this is the draft that made the Browns a perennial that started the that started the run of being a perennial Super Bowl contender. Because if everything works out the way some of these players were expected, yes, this is the draft. I think we all circle back as Andrew Barry's finest moment. He worked the salary cap for the future getting guys like Elijah Moore and Cedric Tillman and not paying DPJ and eventually moving on from Cooper when you had to pay him again, but you're getting future value players and even some now pieces. So I'm calling the Browns a winner because again, when you talk about winners and losers, you're talking about now and in the future of everything projects. If everything goes the way we expect, this is it. This is the one we look at. If this is potentially the greatest draft, you know, if everything goes the way we hope in Brown's history since 99. So better than even what we thought the 07 class could be. Brady Quinn, the next God. Yeah, sure. 
Anyways, um, oh boy, the Guardians are just having a day. Boy, oh boy, that's good or bad? Bad. Bad. They day? brought no. they brought Battenfield in, and now it's five one. Oh jeez. Yeah. Uh, they they had a couple blue pits and BS stuff, and yeah, and the rain's not helping. So yeah, I figured. But they, but they made Chris Sale look good, so. I'm sorry, that's not good at all. Anyways, yeah. uh, with that said, uh, I'm going to reach out to our dear friend, Mr. Duffins, see if he has time next week, um, and see if uh, we can get him on. But anyways, uh, any final thoughts from the draft? Any surprises? Anything that stood out to you from this draft? No, I just think they had a good draft in terms of value. Um the roster is nearly full, so I expect some roster moves coming in the next couple of weeks once they get the UDFAs officially signed. Still need another veteran edge, a veteran safety, perhaps even a veteran running back, and we can hit the ground running on the season. So, yeah, looking forward I'm excited, to it. I'm excited to see what happens next. Um, I think the one takeaway I got from this draft was it was the most unpredictable draft in recent history. Definitely. <laughs> I mean, I knew I wasn't going to get many right to get seven with the right teams. I get me and Jokey an got five. Yeah, I got like six or seven. So I was like, that was a good day for me at the office. Uh, did not expect that. I think if I didn't make some of the trades that I made, it would have been higher. But, you know, I think the one thing I overrated was the trades happening because teams didn't really want to move up. So that's something to consider when I predict next year is, you know, some of those other trades may not make as much sense. So we'll see how this goes in the future. But uh, man, oh man, what a draft season it was. Next year, I'm probably going to be in Detroit. So sorry. Um, but uh, yeah, I think that uh, is going to do it for today's episode. Uh, so make sure you're subscribed to the pod. Uh, Jack, tell you how, tell everyone how they follow you. Uh, you guys can follow me at Jack McCurry08 on Twitter and check out the Dogland at the Dogland on Twitter as well as the Dogland podcast. We'll have our draft recap pod probably out at the same time you're all listening to this. So definitely go check that out as well. And you can follow me at the CLE Sports Guy. Again, fingers crossed, I'm going to reach out to Duff and literally after we get off and say, okay, so next week, <laughs> see what he thinks of all this. and. Maybe we'll have a real powwow on the things we disagree on to uh, see if I can turn uh, Duffin over to the good side. So, uh, <laughs> especially on DTR, but I think he was on board with that. I think it was the other OBR guys that were like, "Yeah, eh. yeah." Duffin was good with the DTR pick. Okay, see, Duffin and I are smart. Everybody, listen yeah, to us. That's something. Listen to the nerds. Damn it. <laughs> okay, I have a confession. I'm really not in Texas. I'm actually in Berea and I work for the Browns now. I actually was doing spaces from my office in Berea and Andrew Barry was just telling me to misdirect everybody. What? No, I'm done. Yeah, I'm serious. In fact, uh, oh, oh, wait, Andrew Berry's coming over tonight. So, uh, oh, wait, there's Andrew. Hey, Andrew, what's up, buddy? Oh, coach is here, too. Okay, it's now a party. Okay, let's go. We're celebrating a successful draft. All right, you guys. Anyways, make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. We will talk to you all next week. 
Until then, go Browns. Go Browns.